The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 235 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Doing well. We're the capital of the basketball world. Lakers are getting a little better blockbuster trade the clippers we probably won't talk about but quietly looking a little better Kawhi's looking a little better we might finally get not that anyone in la really cares but the clippers and lakers have never met in the playoffs in their history which is while they're in la which is bizarre because they've been in la since the 80s so that's what coming on like 40 years and if that's going to change the lakers will have to make the playoffs so that's sort of the focus of the show is this turnaround? Is this Rui Hachimura trade? Is that going to be enough to break that streak and get them in the playoffs? Yeah. So I I would, should preface this by saying that I have no idea as of uh, today, Wednesday, January twenty fifth, what the Lakers' odds on BobataSportsBook.com are to make the playoffs. But when they made this trade for Rui, and we'll dive into it a little bit more. Everything I kept seeing was like, oh, yeah, they're only three games out of the sixth seed. Like, you know, they can be in the mix. And and we have dumped on the Lakers, rightfully so, for a lot of the year. But as of today, in terms of standings, they are 22 and 26, which is not good. But they are, I believe, like only I think they're only four games out of the three seed as of today. Everything is stacked so close together. And they're looking better, too. You know, obviously, LeBron looks good. And then the news that Anthony Davis is coming back, you know, this week, probably. Uh, They're four games out of the four seed. Sorry about that. Four games behind New Orleans for the four seed. Who is struggling without Zion Williamson? Yeah. So why don't we talk about this trade first and then talk about what we think the long-term outlook of the Lakers are. And by long-term, I mean incredibly short-term for this season. But so they trade for Rui. Uh, they give up three first round pick, or I'm sorry, three second round picks. Yeah, three first round picks, three second round picks, and Kendrick Nunn. Uh, they take back Rui Hachimura, and you know, as always, the Lakers trade for a player, and it's like, oh, is this going to put the Lakers over the top? And it's like, you know, Rui is not a very good NBA player, I would say, up to this point in his career. He's so, but I I think he's a reasonable flyer for a team like the Lakers to take. He is going to be a restricted free agent this year, and his cap holds, I think, like right around $9 million, $8.8 million. And, you know, obviously with Russ coming off the books, it's kind of interesting. Do you want that $8.8 million cap hold when you maybe will have like close to $40 million in space this summer? But, you know, I, I don't. I don't know, like, if this actually makes sense for the Lakers. And I'm curious to, as to your thoughts on the deal. That's a good question. And I looked on Bovada. They don't have, like, do they make the playoffs? Their their Western Conference odds are 16 to 1. So still pretty low, you know. Um, ahead of Sacramento, by the way. But still, uh, I don't think – I think they're probably, you know – even money to make the playoffs and and then then what to what end if you get a lebron back you get anthony davis i mean anthony davis back lebron's still playing this well 
in the playoffs, you have a puncher's chance of winning maybe a few games, maybe a series, but I, I don't know. They, I think they need to do more than this to really take that next jump. Cause I agree with you. Like I, I like the idea of it of let's use none who has been a disaster. Let's use our second round picks, which never lead to much and get an upgrade, a marginal upgrade that doesn't break the bank in terms of our future picks. But I also agree with you in the sense that like Rui's not that guy, you yeah. know, He's just like, he just looks the part, you know, he's 6'8", 230, you know, he scored in college and he can be a scorer, but he just doesn't do the little things as well as you would want. You know, his three-point shooting, 35% for his career, it's about average, his defense has been below average, maybe that'll improve now. And he also is sort of like a natural power forward, so it's like, he's not what you would draw up in the lab of what this team needs. So I wonder if they could have made a move for you know, like an Eric Gordon type or somebody like that, who's more of like a natural shooter. Uh, so if you're, if the plan is to play him in like the starting lineup. Yeah. I think a couple good points here. So the one thing I think that Rui gives them that they don't currently have is size. Right. So, so one thing about Rui is he, he, he looks the part, you know, he's six, eight, 230 pounds. Like you said, it probably a natural forward. I think, why he ended up falling on draft night was I just think there were too many concerns about whether or not he was going to play the three in the NBA or he was going to be able to. And I think that's kind of worn itself out, right? Because he did shoot the ball pretty well last year from three, but it's on a very low volume, right? He's mostly he like took months off for personal issues, whatever they were. Right. But that yeah. I mean, that's a good point. And I honestly had forgotten about that, but like diving into like whether or not he'll be able to play with LeBron is is kind of interesting in that regard. But but he does give them positional size, right? So Anthony Davis has been playing the five uh, when he's been healthy this year. He's been tremendous when he's been healthy. LeBron is, I mean, he made 46 points on Tuesday night. He made nine threes. They were never really in the game against the Clippers. But he's so clearly still elite that, you know, the Lakers have to do something. And 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 the tough part, I think, Zan, is that they don't have that much wiggle room to do something, right? They don't have a lot of other second-round picks. They only have that. Those two first-round picks we've talked about a million times on this show, the 2027-2029 first-round picks. I think they have like a 2024 Grizzlies second-rounder. But like they they don't have a lot of flexibility. So it's like, was this the right thing to use those three second-round picks for? And Kendrick Nunn, because that contract is expiring. And like, you know, somebody might be like, hey, let's let's go with Kendrick Nunn. But I, I don't know. We probably shouldn't bet on people who like go to Miami and have good years and then like <laughs> sign them elsewhere because it just doesn't seem to work. Whatever's well, going the on. The Lakers did. Yeah. Deion Waiters, too, for a little. Yeah, he, was, he was on there for a couple of what, Whatever goes on in Miami just doesn't go on other places. And so that's where I think like the Rui thing is really interesting because he's going to have to play the four. It does allow them to not have to play your like Westbrook, Beverly Austin Reeves lineups, right? You can put Rui in there and like you can play Lonnie Walker at the two or the three. Like, so you have more size. He's a bad defender. He is a, one of, I would say, there's like five guys I think about like this, but he he just is not a willing passer. Like he just doesn't pass the ball. It's not that he like is a ball hog. It's like he just doesn't process. What do you play. wonder? Yeah, like under two assists a game for a guy who plays a decent amount. I, I mean, like it's not even just passes to assists. It's like he just doesn't even pass. Like he, he, I well, think he, in terms he, of like, like sort of the knock on Rui. It's like he people think, you know he's not like Jordan Clarkson where it was like 
hey, his grandmother is Filipino or something. Like he was, he's actually Japanese. Yeah, right? from, from Japan. Like grew up in and Japan, like, went to Japanese high school. Absolutely. Yeah. So like the idea was always like, okay, it's going to take him a little time to get adjusted. Right. And that did bear out at Gonzaga. He only broke out in his like third year there. And, and his so, junior year, he was he was very good. But also in college, when you're bigger and stronger than everybody, like it does cover up a lot of mistakes. Plus the gameplay is slower. It plays well, more. But I think that was like the optimistic theory where it's like, he's just kind of going to be a little bit of a late bloomer. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Like maybe, he, you know, he could be like a Giannis and break out eventually once it all clicks. It just really hasn't clicked that degree yet. Yeah, I saw... And, uh, I saw I, Sam. I Bas- think, Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say, like, I think he, but to your point, like, he could be a useful addition to the rotation. And, like, in terms of if he's a backup, especially if he's a guy who's going to buy LeBron, who's playing 36 minutes a night, some minutes. I think he's good for all that. But it just, at the end of the day, it feels like this is not the end game, right? Like, this is like a halfway. Yeah. Year. Like, what's the next move? Yeah. I think about that all the time. That, like, wire episode is called, like, No Half Measures. And like right. that's no halfway crooks. What's that? Yeah, from? I don't have any idea. But that's what like this. So I will say there's a couple things, right? So one, this type of size and positional versatility, because like you can play him at the three or the four. Like you don't really want to play him at the three, I don't think. But like you can. But like this type of size is not readily available on the market, right? For this price, because because three second round picks and Kendrick Nunn is like you know it's it's fine, right? It seemed. I think when when you sent me the deal. I was like, okay, I, I could see that, right? It seems like the Wizards did okay. They got some more flexibility in terms of like some cap space. Like they can move some of the picks. They can use some of the picks as lotto tickets, whatever. But you're not really able to get this type of size for that price, right? Because like, you know, the Lakers, they cannot trade for OG Ananubi. Like, because it just doesn't seem like the Raptors are going to take like, you know, Russ's contract plus two first rounders for him, right? So when you try to get somebody who can help you in terms of like your rotation, think it's fine. I think the problem is everyone is acting like he's going to be some sort of like stretch guy. Cause like at one point in his career, he shot 40% on catch and shoot threes. But like the problem with that is his, his volume of threes is so low. Like he just doesn't shoot a ton of threes. He, he, like that was a joke we made once where it's like, what does Rui Hachimura mean in English? Jeff green, you know? And <laughs> I and forgot Jeff about Green has actually like extended his life beyond what we all thought he would. But he, but he, this is sort of what he was in his prime, where he's yeah, sort but, of like not quite a shooter, not quite an efficient scorer, not really as good of a defender as the media says. Like he he's sort of just like a below average starter, but Jeff, he paid like an average starter. Jeff Green extended his career like as a small ball five, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was like a wing prospect coming into the league, just like Rui. And now like we're talking about, you know, Rui is big and strong and athletic and like he can make an open three for sure but he also takes a while his jump shot form takes a little while so like i just don't know like to me this isn't a situation where all of a sudden we're like okay this is a guy that the lakers will close games with and it will work right it's not like i don't think he will and the the quote is apparently from mob deep ain't no such thing as halfway crooks you were referring to the wire but um and the you know it is a half in move because like your point, like I, the other two things I don't like about it is, is the, is there a perfect situation for Rui? It's probably not this one, right? It would be like the fit feels a little like Kyle Kuzma. Remember when he like didn't look good for the Lakers with this lineup? Cause he's sort of a natural, like smaller four who wants to be a scorer and Kuzma's doing really well in Washington, but like, you know, Rui couldn't really overlap with him very well. So he's not going to be able to play LeBron very well. 
And then also the contract thing. I think you mentioned a restricted free agent. If we are saying that Rui is a little overrated, um, how much are you going to have to pay him? Yeah, I don't think you want to be stuck, you know, making him a qualifying offer and hoping he accepts it and then giving him like three years, 38 million. You know what I mean? Like that's, and there does seem to be some level of like interest in him staying with the Lakers past this season. And and again, I I do think there is still, Rui's 24, right? We heard a bunch of things about how like, oh, he never picked up a basketball until he was like 12 or whatever. And, you know, so I, I do think there's some merit to getting him out of D.C. into a situation that might be better. And playing with LeBron is very difficult, but the guys that thrive playing with LeBron, like he's going to find you shots. He's going to get he's going to gas up your confidence if you're playing well, like he does do that. Now he's going to kill you if you don't, obviously. Yeah. But and there is some urgency here. And that's where I just I'm surprised that the Lakers went for more of a higher ceiling, lower floor guy in this role than they went for maybe a a more proven commodity with how well LeBron is playing and how well I would expect AD to come back and play at an MVP level. He was doing it before. So as long as he's healthy, like those two guys are ready to go. And so getting Rui. If I'm optimistic about the Lakers, it's more because AD is coming back. LeBron's playing well. Dennis Schroeder's looks fine, you know, decent. Um, Thomas Bryant is certainly looking yeah. playable. Thomas Bryant is doing good. well. Um, so, like, I think they're like they're. It seems like they were rising before this, and they and now they think they can keep going and go not all in halfway in. It's just like, is there another move? Like, do you trust Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves? Like, who's the gonna be that that one guy? They need that extra spot. I think a real dead eye shooter because none of the guys right now you would even consider good shooters on the team. Right? I, there's no, like, what the Lakers need doesn't exist on the trade market unless unless they trade Russell Westbrook. And again, like, honestly, Russ has been pretty good coming off the bench. Like, I, I think, yeah. you know, there's still some shooting concerns, but in terms of, like, propping up the second unit that they don't, like, fall apart, like, Russ has been has been fine. Like, he's been fine. And uh, so, like, yeah, unless he, you can find it. he was team, on a contract for, like, 15, 20 million, you, everyone would be happy with him, right? Of course. Of course. And, again, the Lakers, one of the reasons I think they don't want to move Russ right now is, one, you got to attach the picks to it. But, two, if you do make it through this season and, you know, his contract expires, and, like I said, you, you have a lot of cap space this offseason, and you're able to do some different things. Like, and I think, you know, the Lakers really don't have – you know, I don't think like Max Christie is a guy that like you can attach to a bad contract and get a good asset back. Like they could trade Austin Reeves, but like Austin Reeves is like their fourth best player, which is again, like that's not where you want to be. But, you know, do you really want to trade some guy who's actually important to your rotation, which already isn't deep? And that's where like Rui has to come in and he has to like make shots right away. And I'm sure Rui will have a good game in one of his like first three and there'll be all these like talking heads talking about how like now the Lakers are a real threat. But like make no mistake, like the Lakers are scary to play against in the playoffs because of LeBron and Anthony Davis if they're healthy. Yes. But the the concern here is that like LeBron is amazing. Like it it, it is unreal watching him play right now. Like he's he's so different than he was, but at the same time like he's averaging 30 points a game. Like he's just unstoppable on certain nights, but you know, he goes for 46 against the Clippers and they're just never in the game. And so it's like, yeah, him and Anthony Davis can combine for 80 and like steal a couple games, but there has to be something else there. And so I think that this move, this move aims to like make them bigger 
and hopefully make them a little better defensively, make them a little bit more athletic. And then I think there, there's going to be another move. There just has to be. Yeah. Because and, and I would do it, you know, because it's like, do you ever see the new Infinity War movies, the Avengers or whatever? Oh, yeah, I've seen them. Like, I've seen them all. Okay. And there's always a moment in every action movie where it's like, I think they asked Doctor Strange, like, I saw 400 million scenarios and it only works in one of them, you know? It's like, but you still have to try. You know, if you're the Avengers or the Lakers, like you still have LeBron James. The chances are not good of like turning this into a contender or even making the second round or even making the playoffs might be 50 50. But you still have to try if you have LeBron James. Yeah. And, 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 and Anthony Davis. Like, And so I think I would look at making a move for like a Gary Trent Jr. or somebody else who could actually be a starter and fit like a glove even if it means you give up some future picks, but you think, like, hey, we're going to sign this guy for the long term and our team's going to be pretty good for the next three years. Yeah, it's possible. And and I will say, like, you're I don't expect the Lakers to do this, but like you're a nine and one stretch away from being like right in the thick of the playoff race. You know what I mean? Like and it, it's not to say that they can't do that. I, I think I would probably, you know, if it was like, hey, what are the Lakers longest win streak be this year on Bovada? Like, I think. I'd probably bet against it being longer than like six games, but even so, like even a five game win streak and the right teams lose, like you're right in the mix. Like that's the I, thing. I think they do. We, we both agree. They need to make another move because you're talking about a team. Rui's an average shooter, which is actually an upgrade for them, but because they're as a team, 33.8% bottom five and in, in three point shooting. It's just like, that's not a recipe for winning. Yeah, playoff game. Bottom it, five it worked that one year in the bubble because they got hot shooting. But in general, they're, like you, you want to be able to be. They're, an they're bottom game. five three point shooting and bottom five three point rate too. Like they're not even getting yeah. shots. And really, you know, he's not really going to change that unless they change his spots and he becomes like a different kind of guy. I but think we haven't seen that. Like we haven't the, seen him be a winning player yet. And, and here's here's like my bigger concern here. If you look at like LeBron's career and the people that he's played with, and you look at like this Lakers roster specifically, but it even goes further back, like there is a level of player development that needs to happen with Rui. And the Lakers, like playing with LeBron doesn't necessarily, if you're good, he can make you great, right? If you're if if you're in that situation. But ever since like his his first times in Cleveland, like name me like a young guy, like a real young guy that like LeBron made significantly better or got significantly better in LeBron's tenure. Right. And if you look at this specific roster, like let's just go down the list other than like, so Austin Reeves and uh, I can't even think of his name. Austin Reeves might be that guy, but what Austin Reeves and then uh, Alex Caruso. Right. And those two guys are similar in the fact that they're both white and they play hard and they'll, they'll play defense. But like, if you look at like this roster, right. So, Troy Brown, a flyer, hasn't really gotten any better. Thomas Bryant was already pretty good, I think. Uh, but Lonnie Walker hasn't gotten any better. You know, they they picked up Juan Toscano Anderson. Like, that isn't it. Wendy and Gabriel hasn't really gotten any better, right? Like, but if you and, and they just never have those guys. Like player development is not a strength of Le, the teams that LeBron is on. And that is certainly not on him specifically. But he yeah. always wants to play older guys. Like, he wants to play Carmelo Anthony. Like, he wants to play Rajon Rondo. Like, you know, yeah. it worked out in the bubble, right? But he's just not – like, they're not able to take guys and, and find that next level out of them because he, you have to, like, be so reactive. Like, if well, Rui's not like good enough, he can't example, play. The perfect example was – and maybe it was the right decision. It worked out in hindsight. But he goes to Cleveland, returns to Cleveland, 
with a team that had the number one pick. And Wiggins was considered a super prospect. You know, if you thought Jabari well, probably wasn't a good fit, but Joel Embiid was hurt. But maybe if you could look at Andrew Wiggins I mean, or Joel Embiid at the time and be like, this guy could be a real Robin to my Batman if I develop him for two or three years. And like, he just doesn't have the patience for that. No, you can't. You can't do it. Like he's, and, and again, it's, it's, it's more like he's in this rings culture now where like he needs to win. And that's just how it goes. But that's where like getting Rui who, you know, he's 24, he's averaged, I think like 12 to 13 points a game in his NBA career. I'm not sure what his actual average is, but it's been on a lot of like pretty mediocre teams. Like, his his weaknesses at draft night still exist in terms of his ability to shoot the ball, his ability to distribute the ball, you know, defend correctly, where his shot selection comes from, all that stuff is still there. And so if you're the Lakers, it it just it seems unlikely that he's going to get better, but he may get some more open threes. Like that that's that's the thing. Yeah, like he may it get definitely. more. It might it might change it in that way. But I'll ask you this, like how much do you believe in the Lakers? Well, I, I mentioned 16 to one to win the Western conference. Obviously no one's betting that, but wait a second. You... Hold on. Can you short Bovada? Like 16 to <laughs> one is absurd to win the Western conference. They should be a hundred to one to win the West. Well, it's interesting because I mentioned Sacramento Lakers are 22 and 26, you know, not in the plan right now, but they, they could switch 16 to one. Sacramento is right now the third seed third. That's amazing. 25 to one to win the West. If I gave you said, I'll give you a hundred dollars to bet on either one, even odds, you know, to each other, 20 to one odds, let's say, which of those two would you bet to win the West? Cause I think we agreed the Lakers have upside, but we just haven't seen it totally. I don't know. I guess I, <laughs> they're the exact same odds. Like I bet, yeah, I, I, bet on, I bet on Sacramento, but like, I don't know. Like I, I would, I would prefer to like, like splash a long shot on the Lakers just because like you never know like the, the the level the level that LeBron is playing at currently is you know of all the impressive things we've watched this guy do and like we've watched his entire career you know I I just can't possibly fathom how he's doing it at 38 years old because like we've watched guys get old and like even Michael Jordan. So like I went to plenty of wizards games when Michael Jordan came back, like there were things. Yeah, Michael I went Jordan, to one. I wonder if you went to the same one. You probably went to one in California. No, I went to one in DC. I was in college. That's true. I forgot about that. Shout out Georgetown Hoyas, by the way, they beat the Paul on Tuesday night, ended a 29 game, uh big East losing streak. But so like, it's just that like the way that LeBron scores, like, you know, Jordan, such a good mid-range jump shooter, like such great footwork, things like that. LeBron is like just still better than so many people. Yeah. Like it's it's insane. And I just don't his son was named a McDonald's All-American on Tuesday night. Like That's LeBron funny. James's kid is a McDonald's All-American, whether or not he deserved it is up for debate. And LeBron is averaging 30 points a game in the NBA still. Well, it's, you know what's amazing about it? Like, I would say this is how good he is at this age. 38. If he was a free agent now, let's just say the season ended, I think I would give him like a five-year max. He would like, get a max deal. He yeah, 100%. Like it doesn't seem like it's going to slow down anytime. I, slow down enough to, to dip below that sort of he, all-star level. He is just he is just truly like an actual marvel of – and I we've argued about this on the show before. Like we've been negative about LeBron, but like I think this is the first – or this maybe maybe last year too, but like this is one of the first times I've truly like appreciated 
I, I always knew that he worked hard. You know, I, I mean, I've seen a million interviews with LeBron and like we, you know, but I just really appreciate the fact that like he respects the game so much to like be like, you know, I'm going to come and I'm going to play at an elite level for as long as I can. I'm going to take care of myself. Like I'm going to demand this. And it's like, he just, it, it's just impressive to me because you well, don't see that. Like, yeah. He, he's sort of like, he's made a few cryptic comments and we tend to get like annoyed when he gets like, you know, some of his off field off the court. Yeah. You know, I mean, he just, but he hasn't really, I mean, considering the fact the Lakers might miss the playoffs for the third time in his four years there, I think. He's he's been a pretty good soldier, you know. Yeah, like, that's like wasting a generational players like end of his prime. Third, and third time in five, third time in five years, third five time years, in five okay. years. Yeah. Oh, because they when did they other once they remember they lost to Phoenix in yeah, the first yeah. round. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I wouldn't bet on it, but you say sixteen to one to win the West, thirty three to one to win the title, but. You could theoretically squint and see it where it's like, okay, they get Gary Trent Jr., AD comes back, and then they recapture their bubble magic. It's possible. Yeah, because I mean, AD, AD was playing like a top five player when he got hurt. And then and LeBron was not playing as well. And now LeBron is playing like, you know, in that top five mix every night. And and again, like 36 yeah. minutes a night is like, I, I think it's too much for LeBron, but like maybe it's not, May, you know, yeah. maybe it's just totally fine. <laughs> Do you think they have more upside than teams that are near them? Like Phoenix is 20 to one to win the title, but I just wonder if Phoenix has that sort of same upside. I do not think they have more upside than Phoenix. Um, what about I do, Atlanta? I think they, yeah, I think they have more upside than like Atlanta. I think they have more upside than like, Minnesota. I don't think they I guess I don't think they have more upside than New Orleans because New Orleans has been three and seven since Zion's been out. But like they're about to get Brandon Ingram back. They'll get Zion back at some point. You know, that guy doesn't he doesn't really recover from injuries. You know, like LeBron plays a million minutes a night and like has an injury and he's fine. Patrick Mahomes has like a legitimate high ankle sprain where it looks like he can't walk and he's going to play. But like Zion has a hamstring strain. He's out for like a month and a half. It's weird, but I don't think they have what more upside Miami? than Miami. Do you think they have Miami is, is 40 to one to win the title? So low. Yeah. Level. I think they have, they have more upside than Miami. Like there there's, there's no way like in the West, I would consider still betting on Phoenix and golden state. Like on, on Bovada, I think like those are like pretty reasonable values still yeah. to like bet on those two teams to win the title or to even win the West. But like outside of, Denver and Memphis like I, you know I'm not betting on the Lakers like I'm not betting on Miami to win the title like I'm not betting on Toronto I'm not betting on Atlanta like those teams are just not that good I don't think I'm betting on Cleveland after this little stretch like I think there are 10 teams that can win the title but I I just don't think like you know Minnesota like they're not going to get there it's just not. D- Dallas I, is probably not going to get there yeah, I think that like the Lakers I would look at Milwaukee as another team that like they they have a move to make that could make them better. So I would like you could bet that on speculatively, or like Dallas twenty five to one. If like if they could make a move, maybe like they they have that sort of upside. But then there's teams that just feel like they're locked in. Um, but to put a bow on the Rui thing, my prediction is that Rui is not the guy that people think he is. I think it reminds me a little of like. Dante DiVincenzo when he gets traded to places and people get excited for like a month and then they realize like, eh, this guy's not really a difference maker. Maybe people, maybe Rui is who people think he is, right? That's the one thing. Like, I think, you know, like media members are all in on Rui because he's a name. He was a higher draft pick, but like, I, I didn't, 
I didn't think Rui was going to be a difference maker for any contender down no, the stretch. No, but I think right now it's being painted that he is. And I would, I would take the under. I don't think he's going to close games either. Like, I, I think it's going to be bad enough where he's like a 20-minute guy. That might not be bad, though. That's the thing. Like, I, I, I think there is a path to him being a very productive player for them. But it's just like, do you have the right offense in place? Is he going to buy in? You know, Rui's a good dude. Like, I, I think he will buy in. But, like, you know, you got to take and make open shots. You're going to have to try to get to the rim. You're going to have to keep the ball moving. Like, it's just tough. Like, I, oh, I don't know. It is an upgrade. Like, Kendrick Nunn was just, like, playing horribly. It's not hard to be an upgrade from Kendrick Nunn. Right. So they're and, he, and he gives him a different look, too, right? You're not yeah. playing such small lineups. They they do struggle to rebound. And, like, Rui's not this, like, otherworldly rebounder. But, like, he, you know, he can rebound. Like, he can... He's a better defender probably than he was, but he's not like a great defender. And playing with Anthony Davis is fine, like because he's going to cover up so many defensive mistakes anyway. And so I do think, you know, that like realistically, like we've we've talked about this for like 25 minutes now, but the biggest difference is that like they're going to get Anthony Davis back and hopefully he is peak Anthony Davis. And that that team with Anthony Davis and LeBron playing the at the level that they have both played at this year is good enough to make the playoffs and potentially scare some teams, I think. What about this? Like on the flip side, because we focused on the Lakers side. I don't think it's a bad trade for Washington. If you're not going to re-sign Rui, who cares? Get some picks. But, you know, broad view, eagle eye view, bird's eye view of their, their franchise. You're 21 and 26. You know, your two stars are very expensive. Like, are they the most directionless team in they the have, league? They have no idea what they're doing. Like, I, I and, yeah. you know, you, you signed Brad Beal because, like, the chances that you can replace Brad Beal in the interim are pretty low. Like Beal's a good player. You know, I've, I've told you before, like, I don't know that Beal is as good as people think. Um, but like, you know, why would Porzingis exercise his player option? He's actually played quite well this year. Like he should go get paid. And it's not, I mean, if they pay Porzingis, like they're just idiots and they might do that. You know, the wizards have been making a lot of dumb decisions. I mean, from- it seems like they're on the track. They're sort of like on that Portland track, but Portland seems more talented for some reason. But Portland's Portland's team is better. Like there, there's no question. Like, Dame is better than Brad Beal. You know, Portland has some guys that have come back. You know, Anthony Simons is, is not a bad player. Like, Shaden Sharp has looked like a developmental head. Jeremy Grant's been pretty good. Like, Portland definitely looks like they could make the playoffs. Like, Washington seems like they're far away from that. And, and like, Kuzma, you're not paying Kyle Kuzma. Like, that's a guy you should be trying to trade. Yeah. And they won three in a row, so now their lottery odds are 7% chance of getting number one pick. So it's like, you're going to end up with, like, the 8 ninth pick again to take Johnny Davis 2.0. Like, where are we going here? I mean, that's been the biggest failing of the front office in the last couple of years. Like I used to, you know, I used to clown on Ernie Grunfeld all the time because he just would like compound. He would make good decisions after making huge mistakes. Like that was kind of his thing. Like he'd give a bad deal and then he'd like make a good deal to give him space or whatever. But, you know, like if you look at how the Wizards have operated the last couple of years, they drafted Rui, Denny Abdia and Corey Kispert, right? Back to back to back and Johnny Davis. So that's four straight years of drafts. Kispert looks like a potential NBA role player. Denny, I, I think he's just never going to be able to shoot it enough to really be who he needs to be. He's probably a more of a creator than they're letting him be. Johnny Davis looks like he is going to be the worst player in this draft class. I, I mean, I mean, like, just he looks abysmal. And then Rui's not on the team anymore. And now you have Kendrick Nunn in his place. Like, so they've done well in terms of, like, you know, Porzingis was an interesting flyer. Like, Kyle Kuzma was fine. Like KCP was okay. Will Barton has not been very good this year for them. It's just like, there's no, there are no developmental wins. And then there's also like 
you know, other than like trading for Porzingis, who's a good player, which we already knew, like, it's not like they've done anything that has given them any sort of like, you know, foundation to build on. Like it, it, it needs to be, I hate to say this, but like, it needs to be a full teardown. This is not a team that's even going to like, like, who can you put around Brad Beal that's going to like make them the five seed? Right. It reminds like, me of like, we used to make fun of Charlotte for being in that sort of netherworld, you know, high lottery teams that were just stuck in that like seven, eight, nine pick range forever. And Charlotte, I don't think it was by choice, really. They just kind of like, it, it's better now. They had a terrible year, a terrible start, and now they have a potential top three pick. Like, that's a better situation to be in than Washington. That's what I think, personally. Like, I'd rather have a chance at Victor Wemby than I would you know, be the 10 seed. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's it, like the bottom line is like, you know, odds are that you can find a gem anywhere, but those true difference makers are just most likely to be one, two or three, one, two or three. Yeah. You know, it's like Bradley Beal or LaMelo. Like those are the building blocks. Cause they were top three picks. Like you and, need another one of those. It's really interesting. Like the Brad Beal deal, like, you know, he's, I get that he's 29, but he's already missed a bunch of games this year. Like he's, he's played 27 games. You know, he's averaging 22 points a game. His assists are, are up, but, like, you know, he's not a playmaker. And it's just, like, you just paid this guy $25 million, or $250 million, excuse me. And I get it. Like, he's a good ambassador. Like, he's it, – it's just that, like, he's he's never been – we say – we talk a lot of trash about John Wall now, even though I don't allow for a ton of slander. But, like, Beal has, like, never been as impactful of a player as, like, a good John Wall, right? Like, he just hasn't been. But this is the last two max deals the Wizards have given out, like, true max deals is to Wall and Beal. And they're going to get, a, a, you know, they lost, what are they? They got swept by the Sixers in the first round of the playoffs a couple years ago with Russell Westbrook as their best player. Yeah, like, yeah. they're they're going to have, like, literally 10 years and half a billion dollars invested into two guys and get nothing out of it and like well, that know, we're kind of dancing around the, i'm wondering now lakers need to go all in wizards need to blow it up bradley beal has you know a massive contract lakers need a shooting guard and they have westbrook's big side that was the de- that that's probably the deal that makes the most sense like other than like dame lillard which portland's not going to do but like right if you can Beal, convince the lakers trade two first round i mean i think westbrook and two first rounders for beal that deal stinks it does westbrook. get you out of cat purgatory which is good but also yeah. like you don't get immediate picks and like that stinks because like you don't know if you trade brad beal the lakers might be better in 2027 because they'll have right. beal and anthony davis and like that and also is- you've already washington's already won 21 games this year so it's not like you can accelerate your tank because they're too far and ahead. here's another thing like this is the dirty secret we talk about with russell westbrook all the time but like Westbrook and Beal as your best player, you're probably going to win about the same amount of games. You know, people, everybody thinks Brad Beal's like way better, but like one thing Russ does is he elevates crappy teams. So like, I just, you know, like the the Wizards need to be like, Will Barton needs to be traded. DeLon Wright needs to be traded. Like Daniel Gafford, he might have some actual value. You need to trade him. Like they have nobody, like, are you building around Corey Kispert and Denny Abdija? Like it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's 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 not great. And then they were the team too. Like we kind of thought it was okay. Oh, like Monty. By Hill the way, is- the re- sorry, just to cut you off for one second. The reason they can't trade Brad Beal for Russell Westbrook is like Beal has a no trade clause. Well, I'm sure he would take the Lakers. Maybe, maybe he would. I don't know. He probably would. I would assume. But they gave him a no trade clause. So it's, I'm, I'm telling you, they've spent five hundred million dollars on two guys, and they've made the playoffs one time. 
once. It's not great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking about an article like the most directionless teams because if you're really bad, that's that's oddly good, and if you're you know mediocre, that's fine. But if the, it's the below average, you know, stuck in purgatory that you don't want to be in, Washington's there. Toronto's like unfortunately thinking they might be there. I don't know another a lot of other teams. Chicago's kind of veering in that direction. Portland's hoping not to get in that direction. Right. Like Chicago, Chicago and Toronto could like really throw the trade deadline on its head. Like if Chicago decides to like aggressively shop Zach Levine and DeRozan, and then like Toronto decides, like, okay, you know, Fred Van Vliet, OG, Pascal Siakam, like we're gonna, we're gonna lit, we're gonna look. Like if those guys are available, then all of a sudden the trade deadline becomes much more interesting. But there's not a ton of like there aren't a ton of like very soft landing spots, I would say, for those guys. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Like, well, no, I mean, because yeah, it's like the Lakers don't have enough, like, not to be too Lakers focused, but it, you know, they've talked about DeRozan, Levine, I'm sure they'd love to have. Yeah, Levine would be great. They just like, don't have enough. And I, there's not that many teams that are top end teams that really want oh, to take that it up that much. The teams that seem like they have like a legitimate chance to make true improvements. The Warriors, we talked about this. Like, they can move some guys. Minnesota can make a move around D'Angelo Russell's contract that makes them kind of interesting, right? I would say they don't have the picks because they traded them all for Rudy, but, like, they have a chance. The Clippers have a bunch of, like, odd aging guys with, like, mediocre salaries that they could probably move. Phoenix has a bunch of picks, that they right. could like the Clippers don't have the picks though, unfortunately. No, because I mean, but again, the Clippers like part of the Clippers deal might just be like, hey, like let's just like pour cold water on our face for a second and wake up and realize like our situation is like better than we think, right? The, the team like, that I, I don't think has the leadership to do it, but Atlanta, you could Hunter's tradable, Collins is tradable, Capella's tradable, everyone's tradable if you want to like bundle you're probably trading all those guys at like the bottom of their value though like Mm -hmm. and then like obviously we talked about memphis and new orleans can can make some deals around like some young guys and some picks as well and that's kind of where you know i i wonder if siakam becomes available then like every team in the league should want to trade for him right and if you're new orleans like you should go all in on a guy like that or memphis right but I don't know Knicks? that they will. Don't, didn't the Knicks get some picks? They have two. The Knicks have a the Knicks situation is all right, but the problem is the Knicks just don't have anybody to trade. Like, well, two first rounders this year. You could put okay. yourself in the conversation. Yeah, you could. I mean, there are going to be eyes that are available for first round picks. But let's uh, let's 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 actually shift gears because it's kind of okay. interesting discussion. So, uh, you brought to my attention an article I believe on the Athletic about how. The extension talks between Bob Myers and the Golden State Warriors have stalled. And I kind of like scoffed at it and I was like, yeah, yeah, who cares? Like Bob Myers, that guy's great. But, you know, in reality, like Bob Myers has done a very good job and, you know, he's built, he's been very responsible for building a culture of a team that's won a lot of titles in the last few years. And he deserves a ton of credit, I think, for last year's title. But like, hey, just being able to sign Kevin Durant and being like a good pitch man. I don't really buy as much as, you know, Bob Myers did this fantastic job, right? Also, I, I can't stress this enough. I think this was before his time, but as I've talked about so many times on this show, the Warriors told the Bucks that they could have Steph Curry or Monta Ellis, and uh, the Bucks chose Monta Ellis. So, again, you know, whoever was GM at that time, and I could look this up if I wasn't being a bad host of a podcast, uh, 
it's not like they were like, yeah, hey, we know Steph Curry's so good, and we're going to sign him on a discount deal, yeah. and he's going to turn into the, this the top sort ten of like victory lap. The Warriors front office and ownership has taken is is a little weird. It, it is, it is a little, but they, they've done a really good. job. I mean, talking about player development on the Lakers, like the Warriors have done an excellent job of finding guys to fill in the gaps. Right? They did a great job with the D'Angelo Russell and Andrew Wiggins deal, where like they pivoted quickly and it put them in a contention to win another title at full strength. Obviously they drafted Draymond again, David Lee got hurt. They had to play Draymond. It sort of worked out, did a good job hiring Steve Kerr and firing Mark Jackson, like, but whatever. So this is kind of the whole impetus of this conversation is like, you know, how valuable in reality, how valuable are GMs? Like, yeah, that's a great question. Like an umbrella question. And because, you know, or coaches, it's a different sport. And, you know, Sean Payton allegedly asking for 20 million a year plus picks compensation. <laughs> 20 million, 20 million a year for like four years. Like, more, you know, like John Gruden got 100 million, right? But it was a 10 year contract, if I remember correctly. Like, Sean Payton wants like four years, 100 million plus the Saints yeah. are going to get picks from it. Like, what is going well, on? It's so interesting because it's like, in terms of the GM, it's like, is Bob Myers an elite GM is a separate question, right? Like, I, I can agree with you. He seems like more of like a pleasant, you know, mediator face man than like, I don't know if he's like in, you know, Lithuania scouting G League talent. I don't know. He might I mean, be. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. How valuable is a legitimate top five GM? And you're talking about who would those guys be? Daryl Morey, Masai. R.C. Buford. Presti, R.C. Buford. But yeah, like it's it's rare for those guys to succeed outside of their situation because Minnesota talked themselves into Tim Conley being one of those guys, the executive for, for Denver. And, and then they gave him a huge contract and his big move was the Rudy Gobert trade, which hasn't worked out so far. It's it's very possible that Tim Connolly's big move actually was such a disaster that the franchise is worse off for hiring him than they were yeah. with an unstable situation. It's, it's so possible. That, I'm not saying that that's happened. I, I don't know. No, I mean, I think they would call a mulligan on it, honestly. Or if they could do it now. Happened. Yeah. yeah, if they could do it now, I or try a different big move. Um, but and then how much do you like, you know, Denver into the place? They're like, okay, we had Calvin Booth, who was sort of the lieutenant. Like, let's just promote him. I don't think it's a huge difference. They probably thought that's why they didn't fight to keep Tim Conley, and that seems to be proven right. So, far. well, and so, but that's the whole part of it is like, do you get credit for? And this is what I was talking about just a minute ago with Ernie Grunfeld. Like, it seems like the most obvious kind of call out you can say is like, how has somebody drafted? But in reality, like, how much of that is the GM and how much of that is that, like, you know, your your infrastructure is good, your player development situation is good, the player themselves, the intel was correct on it. Like, so Sam Presti, right, we were talking about this before we got on the show, like, yeah, he has a three-year draft window of, you know, Durant, Russ, Harden, and Serge Ibaka, and, like, that turns the franchise around. But at the same time, like, you know, he hit on all those picks. Is that is that because Sam Presti was so great and those were, you know... Anybody who drafted one of those four guys, like they were going to hit or is it an Oklahoma City thing? I, I don't know. And that's where like, I, I just don't think, you know, I think there's a competitive advantage or there's a thought that it's a competitive advantage because you can pay your GM and coach a ton of money and they don't count against your cap. Right. So if you have Bill Belichick, you can pay him $50 million and you can add value to your team that way where another team cannot. But I just don't know from like a GM perspective, if like we truly know enough to know if I think we know who are bad GMs, but I don't know if we know, like to separate the best 10, like, I don't know if we know enough. Zan is kind of my overarching point. Well, and it's also hard to tell because 
like Sam, uh, R.C. Buford in San Antonio. You look at the resume, Hall of Fame resume, maybe the name, the executive of the year trophy after him. But how much is him? How much is Popovich? You know, how much is ownership? Like, yeah, you I don't know. know. Ownership, so ownership is the biggest competitive advantage. I've said that for years. That's the biggest. When you have an owner who like they spend, but they're also smart. They don't meddle. Like they have a vision for what you do. Like in the Spurs, like they do whatever they want. Right? Like Pop and RC, and obviously it's not been great now. And you know, Tim Duncan helps with a lot of stuff, but like, you know, now we're hearing stories and I had heard this at the time, but like Steven Jackson's coming out and talking about how much everybody hated Tony Parker because he was totally selfish and they were able to like overcome something like that, you know, turn Tony Parker into like a hall of fame guy. And that's got to be someone that culture in the front office to build the right players around them. Yeah. You know? I wonder, but then you could argue, even if it's just a minor upgrade, you know, like a, a month, you know, a general manager can only affect your team 5% at the margins. But then you're talking about 5% of, you know, an enterprise that's, you know, these players are being paid 120 million a year collectively on your team. And there's a huge amount of stakes. So maybe that 5% is worth 5 million a year. Well, so, okay. Like here's a couple things. So Tim Connolly, how much credit does Tim Connolly get for Jokic? I think he gets a lot of credit for that, right? If it was him making the pick. Right? And so it then is it him? Jokic and Jokic. Who so is it is it him that also hires Mike Malone and says, coach the team this way, like play through him? Or is that a coaching staff decision? I think it took him a while. If they, if they knew they had gold, it took him a while <laughs> to like, you know, take it to the store. Because they were they were debating what to do with Jokic for a while. And you know, yeah, was it Nurkic? And, it was sort of like, do we trade Jokic or do we trade Nurkic? And I don't think they ever came close right, to it's trading. Like your Steph Curry, Monte Ellis. I, I, don't, I don't think they ever came close to trading Jokic. I think they knew at the time, like, wow, this guy's really good. But yeah, he was backing up Nurkic. Like, yeah, and it scares you to like base it off that one hit. Like, you know, the Milwaukee GM. I forgot it's John Hammond. It's like he drafted Giannis. What's yeah, happening? He'll find the next Giannis. It, it changed like it. It changed the course of the franchise. Like that is how you know. Like how about this? Okay, the Spurs, right? So they draft George Hill, small college guy, comes off like a big NCAA tournament, right? And then like he's a good rookie. And then they they buy so much into Kawhi, and that they can fix him. They trade George Hill, a guy that like Greg Popovich loved for Kawhi Leonard, and it extends their championship window another you know, five-ish years. Then it, then it ultimately ended their championship window. But well, here's the question. So it, it's interesting because there's no salary cap either. The players should do that as like a cheeky negotiating tactic. Be like, there should be a salary cap for coaches. There should be a salary cap for front office. And then, you know, they would fight against that. But um, what, let's say it's not our money. Let's say we each own a franchise. You just bought Phoenix. I just bought whatever, Chicago. Why and do you get to buy Chicago? <laughs> well, I got a better deal. Okay. And top GM comes on the market. Is Daryl Morey, let's just say Daryl Morey, do you think he's legit top five GM? Or Masai? Who, who's your pick? I would probably pick. Yeah, it's it's funny, right? Because like Masai makes this huge deal for Kawhi, like trades DeMar DeRozan, like hires Nick Nurse, right? Does an amazing job. Every single move hits. But like also Kevin Durant tours Achilles like in the NBA championship. So like... Right. It's but funny, and, like and then he doesn't. Let's, and then let's he say do- it's Masai. But he doesn't <laughs> resign Kawhi Leonard after that. That that has to be some on him. 
Well, I think he wanted to. You're saying he didn't. Well, of course he wanted to. I I want to own an NBA team. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Like, okay, but let's say Masai is on the or Mori, whoever you want to say. Imagine the GM in your head is on the market, meets with you. How much are you offering him, and how much am I offering him? I don't know. I mean, ten million a year seems like the going rate, right? I I don't. I don't know if I can win enough money on Bovada this year to like actually get there, but. It seems yeah. like you're you're paying you know seven to ten million a year for the best GM, and, and that's seems... the best coach. What about the best coach? Say, hmm. you know. who do you think is who, the best who, coach right now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, Adoku's on the market. You I don't think for cheap. I think so. All right, this is this is this is. If I was a, a, an owner, I think what I would want to do is I would want to hire a general manager more like Masai or Daryl Morey that I think understands the right way to run the organization from the mm-hmm. top down. And so it's not so much that I think like Maury is this sort of like super genius that everybody else does. But like one of the biggest differences between him and Sam Hinkie is that like Sam was not good at managing. Like Sam was like a genius. Like he he was a very talented evaluator a lot of ways. And he had all these amazing ideas, but he wasn't good at like, all right, below me is this person and this is their role and then this person and this person and we're all in one silo, right? None, he wasn't good at this whole like hierarchical like way of running an organization where it is very clear that, you know, R.C. Buford is good at that. Like Masai Ujiri is good at that. Daryl Morey is pretty good at that despite like, you know, if Tilman Furtada never buys the Rockets, like I don't, I don't know that that ever blows up, but, you know, those guys are very good at that. And I think I would rather hire a guy like that and be like, you know, maybe they are a tad overrated in terms of like basketball acumen. Like Daryl Morey is, you know, lauded as this sort of like super genius, but he's like never won a title, right? And maybe he does that this year. But I do think he is very good at making changes to your team and your organization to make you eke out incremental improvement in terms of wins while also keeping things kind of in line like in the locker room and with the coaching staff. I think he's very good at that. And so I think those three guys I would spend a lot of money on because I don't think you would necessarily have to worry about the rest, right? You'd be as part of the coaching interview, but like you'd have an organizational culture and objective and it wouldn't just be like you're going all over the place. It wouldn't be the Wizards, you know what I mean? Like it wouldn't. Right. That's a great point because it's like, it's the culture setting and also the stabilizing force where it's like, yeah. If you cheap out and you say, you know, I don't want to pay for the premium executive. I'm going to hire, you know, Tommy Shepard. And, and that's not to say that like Tommy Shepard might not be good. Like we don't know how that but, structure but, like, works. The fact that he's on shaky ground from the start, then you might end up having to fire him. Then you exactly. fire the coach and I'm paying, you know, millions of dollars in buyouts. But at least with the, the top GM, you know, like I trust him enough to, you know, that's what I say about Sam Presti, why I like Sam Presti. It's like he makes mistakes. He's not going to get them all right. But I trust him enough to have him in that job. So, for but like, what about when you actually like want to try and win? Do you want Sam Presti? Like, this is another thing, right? Like, we 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 kind of danced around this, but like, Sam Presti, like, all right, fine. Everybody thinks he's like this fantastic GM. He always has a million picks. Like, he's done pretty well in the draft, but like, they stink. Like, they're a five hundred team, and we're talking about what a great job their head coach well, is doing because else? their I roster think is Sam terrible. Presti's credit, actually, if you're making me defend him, I think there are. Maybe I'm wrong, but Sam Presti is a good enough GM to where it's like if you pay the money to him and not the coach, this name coach that's on the market. Sam Presti is a basketball guy who knows how to find a coach who may be undervalued, like this Mark Danigold. He hired Billy Donovan. Are you joking? Fine. He hired Scott Brooks. They lost 
championships <laughs> because Scott Brooks played Kendrick Perkins and Derek That's Fisher. True. Does That's this guy true. know how to hire coaches? Like, sure, maybe he's learned from his mistakes, but like, come on. Also, well, he I hired think, maybe I think I could hire. A coach he hired Mark Danigal because Billy Donovan was the coach at in Oklahoma City when Mark Danigal was. Like, so he's a Florida guy, right? They have the same agent. Mark Danigal went to coach the Oklahoma City Blue, and then he hired him as their head coach after Billy Donovan okay. left. You might be right. And and I think there's a there's a leadership component that I think, like, sort of the casual fans, the nerd fans who are not in the rooms, like myself, but I'm starting to appreciate is, like, it's hard to to manage people. Yeah, that, I mean, that's just wherever you are. It's hard to manage Yeah, people. it's like any job you have, and especially managing egos in the, in the locker room, managing if you're the front office managing star players versus coaches, like not everyone can do that. And even if you're the smartest guy in the room, like that people rally behind you and, and you can kind of keep the boat steady. Yeah. So I do think there's value. So, so we'll, let's say Spolster's on the market as a coach and Masai's on the market as the GM. What I pay the GM. I mean, it's a very baseball, it's a very baseball mindset, yeah. right? Where like, your manager needs to manage the locker room and and does some day-to-day decisions, but largely like needs to keep people happy, but also needs to do the right things. Now, ba- ba- baseball is not the same, right? Because d- decisions are very dynamic and or, I'm sorry, very static in baseball. Like you have one at bat, right? You you change your pitcher. Like base football and basketball and hockey, whatever, you know, soccer, much more variable in terms of like how your decisions will impact the rest of the game. Yeah. But I, I think that makes sense. And also, um, just in terms of like you could hire theoretically like a spolsters on the market and then like give him a lot of power. But I just don't think those situations think it, you can't do it. Honestly, like I know we've talked about this before. It's just too much work. Like yeah. it, it, the way that coaching now and the front offices operate, like someone having player control and coaching control, like it's just there's just too much to do. It's it's not that people can't do it, it's not that people aren't like cut out for it. It's just like it just there's just too much. Like you can't go a whole year focusing on only your team, and then all of a sudden be like, all right, well now I've got to watch prospects and I've got to watch free agents. You know what I mean? Because well, like, also, I think it's easier to fire a coach than it is to fire a GM. You know, like in terms of like how much it rocks the boat. Would you hire a coach or a GM in football? In football, I would. I think I'd hire, hire a coach, right? That's a great question. Yeah, I think, and it seems like that's sort of their model. Like Howie, Howie Roseman is like very clearly more valuable than like a lot of coaches, I think. But like, it does it, seem like coaches have more like personnel control. But like Doug Peterson seems like he's more valuable than like Trent Baalke in Jacksonville, right? Or like Baalke Andy Reid. A great example of that is actually like I'm thinking of, I think in Cleveland with Stefanski and in Minnesota with O'Connell, they were just like, they weren't, you know, Super Bowl winning head coaches. They were first time head coaches you know, rising good prospects. And I think they got to pick the GM almost because it's like the GM's job is really just like understanding. No, no, no. The Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota hired the GM before O'Connell, I think. Right. I don't, I don't remember, but maybe in Cleveland then, but because Stefanski was considered a smart guy, but like the, the idea is like the GM, I think in football is more like, I know what the coach wants. I'm going to go try to find guys. that. Yeah, 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 exactly. But in basketball, like I said, it's, it's, it has to be more of an organizational philosophy because I don't want this is more of a gambling term, but like it seems like in basketball, like equities run closer together, right? Like if you have Patrick Mahomes, it's real hard to be like a bad GM, I think. Like you can do things to actively work against him, but like he's gonna cover up a lot of mistakes. But in basketball, like, you know, if you have this Lakers roster, like, you know, I'm not I don't want to knock Rob Palenka. We've we've you know shit on Rob Palenka enough in the past like couple of years, but like, you know, you can do a really bad job and ruin a potentially okay situation. And like you can do that anywhere, but in basketball, I just think there's there, there's 
finer margins to compete on because the player pool is not as talented and like there are less players. And obviously it's a, you've got a soft cap, which you have to work around as well. But I do, like I said, I do think the the managing people aspect of it would, would lead me to pick a GM over a coach in basketball. What about this? Cause it's, well, it's a fun discussion. Do you think if you could pick a dream scenario, fantasy lineup, would you actually pick a superstar GM and a superstar coach or would they naturally clash? Does one need to, well, be like- I mean, that's, that's kind of like everyone was saying with Doc Rivers is like, and there's still a good chance. I think there's still, a, I don't, you know, Bovada doesn't really allow us to bet on negative things, unfortunately, but I think there's still like a pretty reasonable chance that Doc Rivers could get fired this year if they underachieve in the playoffs. But I think everyone was like, Oh, they hired Daryl Morey. Like, it'll be really funny when he, uh, when Doc like wants to play a certain way and Daryl's like, all right, see you later, buddy. Like, we'll see who has more power. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways when you're veterans and you've been doing things for a long time, you kind of understand how to work together. And so like the way the Sixers do it right now, I think is that like Daryl has control over everything in the front office, but Doc has controlled everything on the court. So, uh, you know, Doc hires his staff, like they're, they're his, like Daryl has no say in that. But again, like, you know, in the front office, like, Daryl hires all those people. And so it is, and they work together and it's, it's working right now, which is good, but yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. You're right about that. Like they're, they're really surging. I think they're a legitimate title threat. If they fall short, I think he's fired. Yeah. And it's just because you end up needing a scapegoat, right. And Maury has more power, I think, than doc does because like you said, it's, if the, if the general manager has kind of like built the team and the way that this team looks now is more in Daryl Morey's image. He made a lot of like pretty shrewd moves to get them, you know, back playing a little bit more different brand of basketball. Then you can in theory, bring in a coach to to play yeah. that role, you know, I whereas with- I mean, like there's going to be some on the market. I, this is a separate conversation, but I was just having like this thought exercise about email Doko and is he going to get another job? And what he's definitely going to get another job. Like, what are the legal ramifications? Because I think there's two sides of the coin where it's like, if you hire a guy who's apparently been inappropriate and then he does it again, like you are opening yourself up to a lot of litigation. At the same time, couldn't you, if you're Ime's agent, say like Houston Rockets, because I was thinking about what kind of coach fits for them. Theoretically, he'd be a great fit on the court. If you say, I was going to offer him $10 million a year to be a coach but these allegations are floating over his head. Couldn't Ime sue people who are making those allegations if they're not true? I mean, I have, like, you're costing me $10 million here. That's proven like... Damages? I have no idea, to be honest yeah. with you. You would probably it's know a little be bit. interesting because I, I think he's going to get another job too. I think He it's is going to get it. He's definitely getting another job. Like no question about it. But all right, let's, uh, let's wrap. Wait, last point on this. You hire a GM and a coach. For your franchise, you could pick whoever you want for whatever salary you want. I'm just curious because we danced around who's the best GM. I, I just want to know your answer. I think I'd hire RC Buford, probably. I think I'd hire RC. And then if I could hire any coach, uh, you know who I, yeah, honestly, you know who like I really think I like Monty Williams, although he's not done a very good job this year. Um, I really like Nick Nurse. Nick, Nick Nurse is probably up there. I also, I really like Teron Liu. Like, I think. He is just like a fantastic coach in terms of his ability to like manage the locker room. Um, so I do think as of like right now, I would probably pick Ty Lue just ahead of Nick Nurse if I was going to hire like my RC and then 
you know, but there's nothing wrong. RC and pop, I think is pretty good. I just, I think pop is just too old at it this point. Too. You know what I mean? Like it's just sort of a great question. I think I would lean towards, I do like Sam Presti, but I think beside just cause it's like, I think he's proven his basketball chops. And also I think players would like him. Um, and I think he has been hamstrung a little bit by being in Toronto. So I'd be definitely that's yeah, that's been a thing. And then who's your head coach? That's a great question because you know, I wouldn't think Monty Williams cause he seems so lovable, but what, yeah, what's like Monty Williams Jay Crowder, what's going on with Aiton? I don't know. It's weird. I mean, those, I would, I would say knowing what I know about Monty Williams and obviously like coaches and players, like some, some guys are a fit for certain guys and some guys aren't, but like, the Aiton Monty Williams thing makes me think that like there's a problem with DeAndre Aiton. Like just it really does, to be honest with you. I, I think, you know, I think Steve Kerr would be my favorite coach to hire. I just don't know how much gas he has left in the tank. Yeah, it's tough. That's that's one of the reasons why I picked Ty Lu is just because I think like he can coach for a little while longer and like and you know, same thing with Nick Nurse, like he just loves it. He's a lifer, but like Kerr is just, you know, he's been through so much. Like he's he's I think he has a lot of other interests too. Like I think he like might want to, you know get involved politically, which I think is fine. I'm not saying that as like a negative thing. I just think like, you know, he does a bunch of charity stuff. Like, I just don't know if he wants to I'd almost rather hire Steve Kerr as like a GM than a coach. Yeah, yeah. Or like your president of basketball operations. Exactly. Like, I just, he's a great guy to have around your team. But so who are you hiring? Monty Williams. I, you know what? I, I don't. <laughs> I might hire Mark Danigal for the cheap. Oh my god! I, that I, doesn't I, just, I wrote an article about this guy. Ninth in defense. You know, they're a 500 team. He seems low ego. Yeah, you think if Sam Presti. You know, if I have a, my star is the GM, I want a non-star coach. I want somebody that's going to do listen to the GM. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Good place to wrap for today. A fun episode, honestly. Uh, we will be back next week. Probably, I don't know. Do we get all-star uh, game like picks? Is that next know. week? I don't know. I saw Durant said he wanted to play. A couple of like, quick updates. Bobby Portis out for a little while. Like I said, Yon, or, uh, Zion out for another couple of weeks. Durant finally resuming basketball activities. That's going to be kind of interesting because... The Nets obviously need him. And then we should get Devin Booker back sometime soon. So Phoenix hopefully will turn it on. So a lot of fun stuff. Deadlines coming up, I think, in a week or two. So we'll talk about that. All right. Uh, He is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can go read about Mark Danigal, Zan's new man crush. (laughs) Uh, You can email the show, ZandrickEllison at gmail.com. And uh, as always, Zan, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. Thank <laughs> you.